Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 26 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And we have a great episode for you today. The NBA Finals are still going, but we are headed to a Game 6. Find out who's up by one game coming up very soon in the MLB. The American League Championship Finals are set, and the National League Championship matchup is set. Find out who's in it. And what the odds are that what happens in the NFL. We had a crazy week last week. Decent amount of injuries. Decent amount of upsets. And, of course, more coronavirus news. And a really great story with an even better birthday. But, Andrew, let's jump into it. In the NBA, I just told you that they are in a game. Six. Who's up 3-2? Who is it? Vine. The Lakers are up 3-2. LeBron James and Ant Davis were cruising through the finals looking to win another ring for LeBron in his first ring for Ant Davis. But Jimmy Butler said, nah, I got none of that in game five. He played 47 minutes and 15 seconds. Yes, very impressive. Jimmy Butler definitely deserves a pat on the back. And he really came up clutch at the end of the game, combined with Duncan Robinson, who made seven three-pointers for the Heat. If you don't know, that is a lot of threes. Ryan, the Lakers versus Heat game six is, I believe, either Monday night or maybe Tuesday night. I'm pretty sure it's on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it's on Monday. But Ryan, let's talk about it. Ryan, do you think the Heat can force that Game 7? Personally, no. A lot of people thought the Lakers had about a 45-40% to 40% chance to win Game 5, as did I. And the Heat, they just wanted it more. They worked harder. And don't get me wrong, the Heat have defied tons of odds. They've defied tons of monumental odds. From having a best player in Jimmy Butler and a second best player who's a rookie and not even a top 10 pick. That is crazy. That really says a lot about the team, and I completely agree with that. But I don't think they can win it all. And the Heat worked their butts off in Game 5, and they won- And they probably should have lost the game on a Lakers wide-open three-pointer that lost them the game. So in my personal opinion, I've got to give it to the Lakers. But as you all know, I'm very biased to the Heat. Go Heat. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, in my opinion... I also have to go with the Lakers in Game 6 just because I feel like LeBron is so clutch. And, I mean, yeah, obviously you can't say one guy leads the team or you shouldn't be playing hero ball, but that's what they do. That's how LeBron wins. Some people think he's the best player. I mean, in my opinion, I think he's like fourth or fifth best player of all time. Anthony Davis is definitely the top center or maybe second best center in the game right now. That pair is just unstoppable, oh, surrounded by decent players such as Danny Green, Dwight Howard. But the Heat want this ring so badly. Jimmy Butler wants his first ring. So many guys, they've been looked over, they've been dropped from their team, or traded away for nothing, or drafted, not even in the first round, want this so badly, I really want Heat to win, but sorry, I really don't think so, now, Vine, just continuing on the topic of the NBA, Vine, there have been some really, really big trade talks surrounding Giannis Antetokounmpo, the stone number one I've heard is that he goes to the Warriors, Vine, you think these are just stupid rumors he'll resign? What do you think? There's actually a chance Giannis could be a warrior. Well, in my opinion, yes. When you look at teams that are going to get Giannis, you need a couple of things. One, you have the pieces, you have the parts to win a championship. And two, 
you need big bucks. The Warriors might have one of the best chances of any team to win the championship. Now, I'm guessing you're saying, right, they just were the worst team in the league in the NBA. What in the world makes you think they have the best title odds? Because Stephen Curry only played about 10 games. Clay Thompson didn't even suit up for a single game. Andrew Wiggins now will be on the team for a full season. And they have the number two overall draft pick. Or which they might also trade for more money, even better for Giannis, or another good player who they could pair up with Giannis to be really, really good. Either way, that really works out for them with the title odds, now with the money. One of their best players, Draymond Green, just ended his contract. That opens up a decent amount of money. Also, last season, they opened up two big contracts of DeMarcus Cousins, starting center, and Back of power forward, Andre Iguodala. They're opening up some money. They also lost the big contract of D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves and got the smaller contract of Andrew Wiggins. So maybe they've been planning this. They've got a lot of money. Yeah, we're definitely see. I don't really want to see Giannis go there since I'm not a huge Warriors fan, but I guess we'll see what happens. Now, fine. Let's get to the MLB. We have the NLCS and the ALCS coming up. Whoever wins each of those will be playing in the World Series and the NL. We have the Dodgers and the Braves, who, fun fact, haven't lost a playoff game yet this year. They are both 5-0. The Dodgers have definitely looked better than the Braves, but the Braves still steamrolled the Marlins and easily took care of the Reds in about 23 scoreless innings. Now, Ryan, in the AL, sadly... The Astros beat the Athletics. I know. I can't believe it either. I am so mad that this cheating team might actually get back to the World Series. So, now I have become a Rays fan who, let's go, beat the Yankees. I'm so happy I will not have to cheer for the Yankees or the Astros. That was a life dream of mine. I never want to cheer for either of those teams. So, now I'm a Rays fan. Go Rays! And, Ryan, out of those four teams... Which one do you think shouldn't be here? They just got here by luck. They shouldn't be in the AL or NLCS. I hate to say this, but the Rays. I mean, during the regular season, the only reason why they were good is just because a lot of their division was terrible. As you saw with the Yankees, every single guy on their team was injured. Top seven best hitters. Every single guy, besides one of them, missed at least 10 games. And all of their pitchers got injured. All of their relief pitchers got injured. The Red Sox in their division, one of the worst teams in all baseball. Orioles, worst teams in all baseball. Blue Jays, last seed in the playoffs. The Rays just kind of had it easy. Also, they had some lucky performances. And again, it's all about, in a 60-game season, who gets hot at the right time. And the Rays got hot. And don't get me wrong, they're a good team. Just, I don't think they deserve to be here. Their starting pitching is too young. Their bullpen doesn't really have a great pitcher in it. They're hitting. Stinks. No one, they've a couple guys that are stepping up a little, but come on. You don't deserve this. Yeah. Also, I might add that the Rays are one of the most happiest teams that the playoffs were in a best out of three and best out of five. Because the Rays definitely specialize themselves on deep pitching. They may not have the best pitcher in the league or even top five or even top ten. With a studying rotation of Blake Snell, Charlie Moore, Tyler Glasnow, and Ryan Yarbrough, and a bunch of relievers that can definitely go in and have small bullpen sessions, 
That is amazing for them. Yeah, Blake Snell, two years ago, best pitcher in the entire league. Charlie Morton won the World Series when he was part of the Houston Cheating Astros three years ago. And Tyler Glasnow, last year, one of the top rookies in the entire league. And this year, had an incredible season. Those three guys are all right around top 30 pitchers in the entire MLB. And whenever they pitch, they have a good chance to win. But after that, in a seven-game series when they need to win four, not three, we'll see if rookie reliever Ryan Yarbrough can step up. Yeah, Vine, I'm guessing I know your answer, but I just want to hear which team do you think has the best title odds that is still in? Well, I think everyone can honestly say the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I completely agree. They probably have the best hitting of any team in the MLB in at least a couple of years. I'd say maybe the Miami Marlins of 2016 come close with Christian Yelich and John Carlos Stan. But this Dodgers lineup might be better. They've Cody Ballinger, who's a top five hitter in the entire league. Mookie Betts, top five hitter in the entire league. That's nuts. Two top five hitters. And they don't even stop there. They again have Max Muncy, great utility player and a top 30 player in the entire MLB. Corey Seager, shortstop, another top 40 player in the entire MLB. Jock Peterson, outfielder, another top 40 player in the entire MLB. And Justin Turner, who's one of the top third basemen. But Vine, obviously, we all think the Astros are going to win. But Vine, I think the Braves stand a chance. Obviously, it's just hard for the Braves because they're so stacked at hitting. They have a, they have Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Marcel Ozuna, a great catcher in Travis De Arnault. But just the pitching is so terrible. Yeah, Max Fried is having an amazing uh, Cy Young award-winning season. He probably won't win it because he got injured for about two weeks, but is going to be in the running. New rookie Ian Anderson, who had that great start against the Yankees, is amazing. But just against the Dodgers, Walker Bueller versus Max Fried. I have to go with Bueller. Kershaw versus Anderson. I gotta go with Kershaw. And then the Dodgers' third starter, Dustin May versus Cole Hamels, who's making his first start in like two years or something. Wow. Kyle Wright, who literally has uh, who has allowed over five runs in each of his last three starts. Wow, that's really impressive. I mean, yeah, the Braves do have a good team. But, the, just, but just the Dodgers. Top five pitching staff, number one hitting. You can't beat them. Sorry to every other team who will have to play them in the playoffs. The Astros really want to play them, but I really want the Rays. Now, Vine, let's move on to the NFL. Vine, I wish I could tell you that everything is going amazing. There are no more positive tests. Every single team is going to play this week. Every single team is 100% fine, but sorry, Vine, I can't do that. Almost, almost half the teams in the league have at least one positive test. Vine, can you please give me the inside info? I want to try to give you the biggest news, but I don't know what it is. I'll just start. I'll just dive right in. The Tennessee Titans, over 20 positive coronavirus tests. And look at this great news on how much the players listen to the week. Three days after the week told them, you are not allowed to have any practices. Go home. Don't come back. All the players were so mad, 
they snuck out to a private practice field and all were not social distancing. It turned out that about half the people coming into the practice had the virus. And when they left, every person was infected. Every person. They have tons of positives and the week is furious. The week has dealt is planning to deal out some punishments. At first it was, oh, you'll probably lose about maybe one to two million dollars. Then it turned into about more million dollars. Now it turned into late draft picks. Then it turned into maybe a first round draft pick. And now it looks like maybe they'll have to forfeit games. They'll have to forfeit games. Lose. And take a big fat L. And fine. For a team that's rebuilding, that's not that bad. But they're three and oh to forfeit. That could ruin their season. So that's really bad. Also, Stephon Gilmore, defensive player of the year, cornerback for the New England Patriots. Yep, he tested positive. And last week he played the Kansas City Chiefs and was in the game with the coronavirus. And he went up to the best player in the league, Patrick Mahomes. Looked right into his face mask, put his mouth on his ear and said, Good game, man. You played well. And then they hugged for a minute. Normally, that's seriously. By now, what are you doing? You have the coronavirus and you're hugging the best player in the league. Obviously, you didn't know. You didn't know. But come on. Use your brain. But hopefully, he turns out okay. And the Chiefs, they just got a positive test. Hopefully, it wasn't from Stephon Gilmore, but they have one. The Bears, they have a positive test. The Raiders, they have two positives. The Jets, they, it, I guess it was thought that they had a positive test, but then it turns out it wasn't, but not really sure what's going on there. Andrew, are these games going to happen? Are they not going to happen? What's the latest news? Well, fine. From what I have been hearing, the Titans versus Bills has been moved to at least Tuesday. I've heard that that game will go on as scheduled as long as no other players test positive, which is very unlikely. But if you believe in miracles, then it is possible. The Patriots versus Broncos has just been postponed as we have been recording to you right now. They will not be playing in week five and the game will be moved to week six or a later day. I know, I am very, very upset, but there's nothing I can really do about it. Now, in the other games, the Raiders look like they will still have the game. Same with the Jets. The Bears already played on Thursday night against the Buccaneers. And might I add, that was a great game between Brady and Force. The Bears did get the better of the Buccaneers. Now, Ryan, as much as I want to keep talking about the deadly coronavirus... Let's get more into the NFL. Ryan, on Thursday night, it was a pretty decent game between the Bears and the Buccaneers. Ryan, the Buccaneers. Lost track of downs. Tom Brady thought it was third down and he had heavy pressure, so he just threw the ball away. But it turns out it was fourth down, 20 seconds in the fourth quarter, and they were down by one. Ryan, you think this is okay? What do you think? This is outrageous. Maybe he should even be dropped. Well, I don't think you can drop the greatest player of all time in Tom Brady. But I'll just give you a little backstory. To open up the game, the Buccaneers opened up with a great 
13-0 lead. They were playing really well, and the Bears' defense couldn't do anything. But pretty soon, Bears go down. They score. But Buccaneers get the ball. At their own 20-yard line, the ball is caught by rookie running back. Bears punch it out for the fumble, go down the field, score a touchdown. At halftime, Bears are up 14-13. Game is going well. And in the second half, as Andrew said, Buccaneers down by one at midfield. They know they want to go. Brady drops back. He throws it to someone, and it's too short. They can't get the first down. Brady is furious. He pulls over. He goes, come here, come here, come here. What is wrong with you? Why didn't you tell me what down it was? Why didn't you tell me? And the guys go, was I supposed to? Yes. What were you thinking? This is not okay by Tom Brady. You should never yell at your teammates. <sighs> this is a terrible idea of Brady. His teammates are trying their best. And how would you feel if you were playing on the same field as Tom Brady as a rookie? You probably wouldn't tell him what to do. It's like telling your parents what to do. You wouldn't do it. Yeah, definitely bad job by Tom Brady. But the Bears won, so that's really all that matters. Now, there are still... Some teams that haven't lost and some teams that haven't won. The teams that haven't lost are the Bills, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Steelers, and the Titans, and the Seahawks. And the Bears have four wins, but they have played five games, so they're technically four and one. Ryan, which one of those teams do you feel like could really go all the way this season? I feel like the Steelers. I mean... They've really turned their defense into a top-five defense in the entire league. And their offense is clicking on all cylinders. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger has been incredible. And their wide receivers have been pretty decent, but their running game has been nutso. All of their running backs have been incredible for them. And with that amazing defense, they can just run right through teams and all the way into the playoffs. Now, granted, they only have played three games, but... They played the Texans, pretty decent team. The Broncos, they're pretty decent. And I think that they have a good chance to keep this up and have a great season. But obviously, the Bills will have a great season. Chiefs will have an amazing season. But don't sleep on the Steelers. Don't sleep on them. Yeah, now some teams that have not won a game yet are the Jets, who we all know there's no hope until Adam Gase gets fired. But they have switched out the quarterback because of an injury, so we'll see if Joe Flacco still has some of that magic left in him. The Texans are 0-4 after that, after kind of a crazy week, after they lost to the Vikings. Yeah, you heard that right, the Vikings won. And the other teams that have not won a game yet are the Giants, who we all know there is no chance for a team to win a game without Saquon Barkley. They have basically no one else besides a couple of decent wide receivers and Danny Dimes. And the Falcons, who we all know the story. They cannot hold a lead. They keep on blowing it. And just to mention, a team that should be 0-4, the Cowboys are 1-3 after a terrible defeat to the Browns. And the only reason they won the game is because the Falcons didn't want to win the game. They didn't want to pick up the ball. They thought it might have been the coronavirus or something else stupid. So they should be 0-4. Ryan, which team between the Jets, Texans, Giants, and Falcons do you feel like maybe still has a chance to maybe go 8-8, 8, 7-9? Yeah, personally, 
I don't really think any of these teams, but I do think the team that will end up with the best record is the Falcons. Now, don't get me wrong. They are 0-4. Don't get me wrong. They haven't played the best teams in their schedule. When you've played the Cowboys, you probably expect them to lose. Who has a better offense? Cowboys. Who has a better defense? Cowboys. Okay? You probably lose. Don't get me wrong. Not in the way they did, but you expect them to lose. The Seahawks, who are 4-0 and beat the Patriots. You expect to lose. The Packers, who have scored the most points in the entire NFL. You expect to lose. And you just expect to lose those games. It's not that big of a deal. And now they play the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but it's pretty darn close. And they again play the Panthers later in the season. Their schedule really is not that hard. They also get to play the Lions. They lost to the Bears. They get to play the Vikings, who have been struggling. So, yeah. Falcons, I think you might have a small chance to turn around. Now, Andrew, there are two huge running back injuries in the NFL. Who is it, and how long are they out? Vine, Austin Eckler, and Nick Chubb are both going to be out for about four to six weeks with lower leg injuries. Luckily, neither of them are too severe that they will... Um, um, linger with them for a very long time or keep them out of the entire season. Both should return around week 10, maybe week 9 or 8 if they're lucky. But both of those teams, luckily, have very talented backups. The Browns probably have one of the top backups in Kareem Hunt. And the Chargers are looking to young guys, Joshua Kelly and Austin Jackson. So good luck to them for carrying the workload. Sorry, I meant Josh Jackson. Now, Justin Jackson. Sorry. Vine's very smart. Okay, now let's move on to some games for this week. Vine, we have no idea if any of these games will happen due to the coronavirus, but let's just talk about them anyway. Vine, the Browns are playing the courts, and don't get me wrong. If I told you three years ago the Browns are playing the courts and the courts don't have Andrew Luck, you would say, Andrew, this game's going to be terrible. Why do you care? Because, Ryan, the Colts have probably the number one defense in the league. Their running back game is amazing. Their tight end game is great. Phillip Rivers is doing amazing. And the Browns are 3-1. and one. They beat the Cowboys last week after Odell Beckham had, what, like 200 yards or something? I mean, yeah, Nick Chubb is injured, so that's going to be hard. But Kareem Hunt would definitely have a big game. So this game's going to be close, Ryan. Let's discuss this game. Yeah, I think this should be a very good game. Both offenses are pretty mediocre. The Browns' offense without Nick Chubb? Who does it run through? Their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, stinks. He sucks. He, it has been proven that he is in more commercials than touchdowns thrown. That's embarrassing. He's been... Well, actually, it's not that close. He's been in... Probably about 300, or not not 300, sorry, like 40 co- commercials, and he's thrown about 30 touchdown passes in his career. Mayfield stinks! But Vine, last week, Odell Beckham had an amazing game, and he even had an amazing ground game. Jarvis Landry threw better than Baker Mayfield. Vine, this team can basically do anything besides have guys play their actual position. Vine, I might say the Browns. 
actually have a chance for once, and that's a lot coming from a guy who doesn't like to bounce. Ryan, before we get into some Minnesota sports news, Ryan, the Monday night game, who isn't affected by the coronavirus, luckily, Saints versus Chargers. If I told you going into this season, this is going to be a good game, you laugh and say, oh my God, Andrew, you're hilarious. But Ryan, the Saints have been sputtering a lot. Jared Cook, we don't know if he's going to play. Michael Thomas probably won't play, and even if he does, probably won't have an amazing game. The Saints' defense has not been looking great. The Chargers, on the other hand, Keenan Allen is looking like a top-five wide receiver in the game. Yeah, they did lose Austin Eckler, which I did forget about, so that's going to be hard. But Justin Herbert, new rookie quarterback, is so good. And Anthony Wynn, um, the coach, has named him the starter over Tyrod Taylor. Very sorry, Tyrod Taylor, because of a doctor's mistake. He is losing his job. But luckily, Herbert is still young and could always give it up very soon. Ryan... That's going to be a great game, but I really want to talk about the Vikings. Ryan, we won. We won a game. Let's go. Yeah, we are 1-3, but hey, that one means something. Ryan, last week, we beat the Texans, who are now 0-4, but played some pretty decent teams, discarding the Vikings. And Ryan, Dalvin Cook had an amazing game. He ran for, I think, 150 yards or so. At least one TD, maybe more. He is the league's leading rushing leader. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both had 100-yard games. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are both some of the top wide receivers in the league right now. The defense was not good. But Deshaun Watson really tried to lead his team back. And based on a very controversial out-of-bounds call, the Texans might have forced overtime. But... Lucky for the Vikings, the refs usually seem to be on our sides. So we won our first game of the season. Kirk Cousins didn't play great, but who really cares, Ryan? Do you think we have any chance in the season or even a chance tonight? Well, tonight we play the Seattle Seahawks who are 4 Oh, Now, the Seahawks are kind of a lot like the Vikings. They have... Maybe the number one offense in the entire league with the number one playing, like it at least, quarterback in the NFL, Russell Wilson. He's cooking. He's cooking up some touchdowns. He's cooking up some yards. He's cooking up some points. And most importantly, he's cooking up some wins. There's always the hashtag, let Russ cook. If you don't know what that means, it means give him the ball and let him do his thing. His thing is winning. That's what his thing is, and he is very good at that thing. Seahawks are 4-0. Their offense is more high-powering than almost any offense in the NFL, and the Vikings' defense is worse than any defense in the NFL. Let's go. But the Seattle defense is garbage. Vikings' offense, maybe we can capitalize. I still got to give this one to the Seahawks, but Vikings, we have a chance. Yeah, I'd say if Dalvin Cook can have an amazing game, go off for at least 150 yards, and the Vikings are still decimated with injuries. Anthony Barr, sadly, still out for the season. Daniel Hunter may return this game. We're not 100% sure. A uh, lot of our top cornerbacks in Mike Hughes. And um, I believe Cameron Dantzler is the other one who is injured but might return. We're going to have so much trouble against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But hopefully this will be a good game. Hopefully the Vikings can silence some haters, show some fans that they still have fight. Now, Ryan, let's 
get into some Twins news. Obviously, the Twins season is still over. We haven't caught the Astros cheating again, so Twins won't be let back into the playoffs. But there's always next season, Ryan, as you know, and we will get into a lot later in the offseason on Twitter. The Twins will have a lot of problems in the offseason, keeping some of the best players and maybe having to go out and get some not great players to start. But, Ryan, of some guys that I'm about to name, which ones you think are key that we have to re-sign or have to hold on to their options? Taylor Rogers, Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, Mitch Garver, Alex Avila, William Zostadio, or Tyler Duffy or Jose Barrios. Fine. Which maybe two or three of those guys do you think is the most important? Well, in my opinion, it's starting pitching. We can kind of make a small rebuild with young guys. Randy Domnock. Caleb Theobar, and a couple of decent starters like Lewis Thorpe. But on the relief pitching, we're not built for this. Don't get me wrong. We have a couple guys, Cody Stashak. He's okay. But on the hitting, I think we'll be okay. We have some great hitters who can come up clutch when we need them to. Kepler, Polanco, Arias, Chanel, um, and Josh Donaldson, they can come up clutch when we need them to. So if we lose catchers, we got great young catcher Ryan Jeffers. And in the outfield, Brent Rooker has looked great. And Alex Kirlioff has been amazing for us. So I'm not exactly who we don't need, but I think hitting, we can let a few guys go. But on the pitching, keep them all, keep them. Yeah, obviously in the playoffs, our problem was not our pitching. It was the hitting. But, like, we're getting a lot of good hitters. Just for two games, they decided not to play well. And, yeah, that's really annoying. No one's happy. But you just got to look at their skill. Like, yeah, Maeda had a great season. So did Pineda when he played in, like, his five starts. But that's not going to be upheld. The Twins' terrible slump in hitting is not going to be upheld either. I think that we're going to have a bounce-back season next year and hopefully make the playoffs with a lot of great guys. In my opinion, we have to sign back Jose Barrios. He has a great starter and at least two or three decent bullpen arms. In my opinion, bullpen is one of the easiest things to get in the league right now. You can trade like, uh, like 59th overall pick or something for like top 10 reliever right now. That's uh, overreaction, but not really. And I feel like we can easily get one at very low price. So, hopefully, go Twins. Now, Vine, let's get over to the Timberwolves. Not many news since we last told you that the Timberwolves were considering trading their number one overall pick for Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia 76ers. But, Vine, let's talk about that pick a little bit more. Vine, do you think we should actually trade it? Or do you think we should keep it? And the Timberwolves say if we keep it, we're taking Lamelo. Personally, I think we have to trade. I mean, right now, I wouldn't say we're in a position to win right now, but I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is already probably a top five center in the league. And our point guard, D'Angelo Russell, he's probably already a top 30 player in the entire league. We don't need a really young guy who might be good. He might not be. And we'll know in five years. We don't need that. Already got Jarrett Culver and Josh Okogie to worry about if they'll be good or not. We have our guys. We have Carl Anthony Towns. We have Malik Beasley who just came on last season, he performed very, very well. And I think he could be a great factor for us to make it deep into the playoffs. And I think that if we can add Devin Book, Ben Simmons, some of the great players in the league, 
We have a real shot to maybe not go after a championship, but make the playoffs, make a decent run. So, I think we got to trade him if we get a good offer, which, <laughs> no telling. Yeah, in my opinion, I definitely think we should trade it. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the Timberwolves staff as much as a lot of other people do. But I just kind of feel like in our last two seasons, we've had two top fifth. I'll call it 20, I think Okoye was taken with the, like, 18th pick, so I'll call it top 20. Culver, we took with the number six pick last year. I personally loved him. I thought he would be great. I was wrong. Culver is one of the biggest busts coming out of the draft that went very high. Don't get me wrong. He had probably about top 10, top 15 rookie season. But when you have a top six pick, you kind of want a little bit more. With Josh Okoye. Yeah, he did go in the teens. He's good for the teens. But we're looking for a guy that can really help reshape our franchise. And that's not what we got. We went after defensive back-to-back years. And yeah, Culver and Okogi are decent defenders. But we don't really know how well they can do on offense. Neither of them are great shooters. Neither of them are great slashers. Neither of them are great passers. <sighs> I don't want to say we whiffed, but we might have. In my opinion, with the number one overall pick, when there's no consensus number one overall pick between Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, or LaMelo Ball, or even Obi Toppin's name gets thrown into the question a lot. I just don't want us to mess up. I want us to just take the safe guy who's shown he's great. And even with Simmons, what do we need in a guy that we're looking for? We're looking for a guy who can probably play power forward, who's decently tall. We're looking for a guy who can play good defense. Simmons can play just about any position from point guard to power forward, but specializes at power forward, which is exactly what we need. We need a guy who is amazing at defense, and you know what? He made the all-defensive second team last year, I think. And we also need a guy who's a pretty decent passer. Simmons is a great passer. We need a great slasher who, who can do more than just shoot threes and body guys. That's exactly him. Yeah, he's a terrible shooter. I'm going to say that. But that's not what we need. We already got D'Lo. We already got Cat. We are going to be fine. I really, really want Ben Simmons. Now, let's get to Ryan with a great story of the day about a great player that sadly passed away just a couple of days ago. Yes, as Andrew spoiled the ending. Andrew. This is a story of a man named Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson was born in 1935. His father, Robert, died three months before he was born, and Bob was named in his honor. Bob was black. Bob had no major father figure for a large part part of his life. When Bob was very young, like a toddler, he had many, many medical scares when medicine wasn't very developed. But Bob put it all behind him when he started playing sports in elementary school, playing baseball, basketball. Bob had an older brother named Josh, who loved sports and taught Bob everything he knew about baseball and basketball. Josh started coaching youth teams and worked very hard with Bob to sharpen his basketball skills because that was what Bob liked a little bit more. And Josh was kind of like a father to him. In high school, Bob loved sports like track, baseball, and basketball, but sadly, some of his health problems resurfaced. He had to get tons of doctor's notes to keep participating even though it wasn't a great idea to keep going, Bob loved the games. 
He started to focus on basketball, but continued with other sports. He was an incredible basketball player and received an athletic scholarship to Creighton University, which is a pretty solid basketball program. In his third season, he averaged 22 points per game, which is amazing. And after finishing college, he drew many, many major offers from great um, from great sports. But, shockingly, the Harlem Globetrotters were looking for a tall and kind of a fun guy. And they invited, they invited Bob to join. Bob had recently gotten married and wanted to earn a little cashola and took $3,000, which now is $27,000, which is about the average um, money of someone in the NBA makes when they're on the verge of making the NBA roster, but mostly in the G League, for one season. Bob turned down the MLB Cardinals offer, but they told him if he ever changed his mind, they were very interested in him, and a spot on the active roster would be waiting. Bob loved playing with the Globetrotters. He had a lot of fun, but he wanted to take his skills to the next level. He wanted to do a job that was a little bit more serious, and he thought he's really, really good at baseball. And he wasn't being cocky. He wasn't even being modest. He wasn't... He was being too modest. He was amazing in baseball. He came back and made the team's roster in 1959. He made his first MLB appearance in relief in April in the 1960s. Things got interesting. He bounced up and down between the majors and minor leagues. Finally, in 1960, Bob joined the starting MLB rotation and pitched very, very well. Bob and other black teammates weren't allowed to stay in the same hotels or eat in the same place as white players. And the team, they worked hard to change that. Everyone knew it wasn't fair. The team started a civil rights movement. And they worked for equality. And they got it. They became one of the first, first non-segregated clubhouses in the MLB. In 1962, Bob Gibson really started to become one of the greatest pitchers in the MLB. He pitched 22 straight scoreless innings and made the All-Star Game in 1962. He finished that 1962 season with more than 200 strikeouts. Last season, the, last season in the MLB in 2019, only about 20 pitchers did more than that. And in the 1964 World Series, the Cardinals faced the incredibly good New York Yankees. Bob Gibson pitched Game 2 and lost, but he won Game 5 pitching. And in Game 7, the Cardinals were up. His Cardinals were up 7-3 to in the last inning, the Cardinals leading. The Cardinals manager said, Bob, I need you to get the last three outs. Bob went in. He got the first guy out. He got the second guy out. One more out, and they win the World Series. Next guy hits a home run. It's okay, they're up by three. Next guy comes up, hits a home run, up by two. Coach comes talking to him on the mound, says, can you do this? And Bob says, yes, I can do this. Next guy, you know what happened? He hits a home Nope, just kidding. He strikes him out. Cardinals win the World Series. Bob Gibson wins the first of many World Series. And that was awesome. And in 1967, this is just kind of a cool thing, he was facing Roberto Clemente, one of the best MLB players of all time, who will probably do a story on later in the month, or maybe year. And Bob was pitching to Roberto. And Roberto hit the ball right at Bob Gibson's leg, and it hit him right in the leg. Bob didn't think it hurt that much, and after the inning... When he sat down, he knew it hurt a lot, and after he got an x-ray, he found out it was broken. That was pretty cool. You had your leg broken, 
Yeah, it sucks, but bye. Roberto Clemente! That's really cool. I'm sorry, it's not that cool. Just kind of struck me funny. You play against Roberto Clemente. Great guy. And, in 1967, Gibson again found himself in the World Series, asked to get the last out of the game. And did. They won the World Series in 1967. Now, in 1968, Bob was really being looked at as one of the top pitchers in the MLB. Gibson did insanely well in 1968, posting a 1.13 ERA, which is one run in nine innings, which is one of the best of all time in the MLB. He pitched tons of innings and had many strikeouts and shutouts in entire games where he struck out almost every guy. He gave up 38 runs that season. In 2019, in the MLB, the best pitcher gave up 60. That's right. Bob Gibson only gave up 38. And Gibson won the MVP, most valuable player in the National League. And every single year in MLB history, a hitter has won the NL MVP. Except for when Bob Gibson did it, and in 2014, Clayton Kershaw did it. But that's besides the point. Bob Gibson won the NL MVP, the best player. And in one game of the 1968 World Series, which again, the Cardinals were in, Bob pitched the first game and got 17 strikeouts, pitching the entire game. This is the most strikeouts that any pitcher in MLB history has gone in a World Series game. After the game, the Tigers' best player said his pitches. They were just jumping all over the place. It looks like it's about to hit me. And it's a ball by a mile. He said it was some of the most masterful pitching performance of all time. And Gibson, again, in game four of the series, won it again. But the Cardinals weren't that good besides Gibson. So they were tied 3-3 in game seven. And again, Bob pitched. But he pitched so often, he did pretty bad and lost the game for them. But he then earned a new contract for what is now worth about a million dollars in 1969. And in that year, he had another great pitching season and was selected to the All-Star Game. In 1970, he was named National League Cy Young Award winner. And that was amazing. Now, I'm guessing you know that pitchers in the National League used to bat. And that is something that Bob took a lot of pride in. When most pitchers bat, they strike out. Sometimes they bunt. Or if they're really lucky, they make Contact, but not Bob. Not Bob Gibson. He averaged one home run per MLB season. He played 17 seasons in the MLB and hit 24 home runs. His career batting average was 206. That's one of the best career batting averages by any pitcher in MLB history who's played more than 10 seasons. When any pitcher in the MLB hits a triple, it is the weirdest thing ever. And guess how many Bob hit? Five career Triples! In 1964, he had five home runs, which is really impressive. And in 1970, his batting average was 300. That's better than every single guy on the Twins last season, besides Nelson Cruz. Bob Gibson is better than Nelson Cruz at hit. I'm just kidding. And sometimes, Bob Gibson came even into pinch hit. In one game, bases loaded, two outs, last inning, down by one. Their best hitter comes up. The coach says, Bob, you're a better hitter than him. Go get a hit, and you know what? Bob got a hit. Bob got a hit. He's so good. And that is pretty much the end of his baseball career. From then on, from 1970 until 1975, when he retired, he had a pretty decent career, winning a couple Cy Youngs, 
And then he went on to do a little coaching with the Braves. But he didn't really like it. So he traveled the country. And on October 2nd, 2020, just nine days ago, when Bob was 85 years young, he passed away. Bob is one of the best pitchers in MLB history and is missed by everyone. Now, Andrew, let's get to the birthday of the day. Who is it? Yeah, mine. Today, the birthday of the day is Steve Young, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history who played played 18 seasons, the majority for the San Francisco 49ers, but also some for the Los Angeles. They weren't the Chargers. I forgot their team name. And some for the Buccaneers. He was an amazing quarterback and in college, he played for BYU. Just a little funny story, since we are really, really long episode, so I just won't keep it that long. He sent a text to former BYU quarterback Taysom Hill. For those of you who don't know, is the Saints utility player. Was a utility NFL player. I'm glad you asked. He plays quarterback. He plays tight end. He plays wide receiver. He plays running back. He can play everything. Steve Young sent him a text saying, You look great. And signed it, Steve. Now, obviously... I don't think anyone who's not related to Steve Young has him in their contracts. So Taysom just thought, eh, it's probably just a random Steve. Delayed the text and just kind of went on with his life. Then, later, he got another text. And instead of signed Steve, it was signed Steve Young. And he could not believe it. He couldn't believe that Steve Young was texting him. And in a press conference, he said, it was a great feeling to know that I am even close to being compared to him and that I might have even been close to as good as he was at BYU. In, in another press conference with Steve Young, who works as an ESPN um, NFL reporter a lot and does a lot of primetime games, he said, I am so glad to be compared to Taysom Hill, one of the best quarterbacks right now, who might I add is a third-string quarterback, but he is behind Drew Brees and James Winston. But, yeah, so good luck, Taysom Hill, and especially happy birthday, Steve Young, and congratulations to being compared to a third-string quarterback. Now, let's get to some predictions of the day. Ryan, the Heat versus the Lakers. We know it's Game 6. Ryan, are the Lakers taking home a ring? Are the Heat going to force Game 7? I think there's going to be one more ring in LeBron's trophy case tonight. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely have to go with the Lakers. Sorry, Heat. I really want you to win, but I got to go with the Lakers now, Ryan. In the NFL, a great game, but we have no idea if it's going to happen. 99% chance it won't happen, but the Titans versus the Bills. The battle of the teams that haven't lost yet, Josh Allen or Ryan Tannehill. I've got to go with the Bills if it happens, which it probably won't. And just one more snippet of news from the NFL. It just happened about five minutes ago. The NFL has decided to not only postpone this week's page, this week's Patriots game between them and the Dolphins, or them and the Broncos, but they also postponed the next week game. But we'll have to see what happens with that. But go, Bills. I think you're going to win. Yeah, definitely. I really want the Bills to win now, Vine. In the Astros versus the Vase series, game one is tonight, Vine. It's a pitching match. I believe it's Charlie Morton or Blake Snell versus Zach Ranke. Vine, who do you have winning this game? Well, actually, the Astros have said they're pitching Framer Valdez in game one and Lance McCars in game two. So in game one, I've got to easily give this game to the Rays. They've Snell Zilla. On the mound, one of the best pitchers in the MLB. So I've got to give this one to the Rays, but it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I definitely think the Rays will win this if the Astros hitters don't hit like 20 home runs or cheat. So let's go, Vase. Now, sorry that this episode was really long, but hey, there's so many sports and we just have to tell you. And we think our next episode will be coming out 
next Sunday. So tune in to our next episode of Twin Talk MN.